you for choosing to listen to this message. Prepare to be transformed by God's undiluted word. I've chosen for a title, and I want you to come along with me. I'll make this very brief. I've chosen for a title, Caring for His World. Caring for His World. With His, I'm referring to God. Caring for God's world. I'll ask you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 3. I'll read from that very popular scripture that we know. John 3 and in verse 16. But I wanted to open to it and look at it. Then I'll read as well from Mark 16. From verse 15. And 16 as well that we know. And that will help me to get into my thoughts this morning. Caring for his world. John chapter 3 from verse 16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world. Everybody say with me, the world. Please let's say it much louder. One more time. Say the world. If God in John chapter 3 loved the world, I can tell you this morning, that God still loves the world. As children of God in church, we like to say that God loves us. And that many times might make us forget that God loves this world. He says, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's God's intention. That nobody perishes. He says, well, that they might have life everlasting. Verse 17, he says, for God sent not his son, notice, into the world to condemn the world. God's intention has never been to condemn the world. The purpose of Jesus was never to bring condemnation to this world. He said, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world because God loved the world. He says, but that the world through him might be saved. We're speaking about God's world this morning. Mark 16, keep that at the back of your mind, that God so loved the world, that God wants the world to be saved, and that's why he sent Jesus. Mark 16, let's read verse 15 and verse 16 as well. Bible says this is Jesus. So in John chapter 3, we saw the reason Jesus came. We saw the beginning of the ministry of Jesus on earth. In Mark 16, we see the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. We saw the wrap-up of his ministry. And Jesus is speaking at the end of it all. And he said unto them, Go ye into where? Talk to me, everybody. Go to where? I wanted to, I wanted to see this morning that the world that was on the heart of God when he sent Jesus is still the same world that was on the heart of Jesus by the time he was ready to go. So at the end of his ministry, he comes and he looks at you and I and he said, now I've done my part. You go again into that same world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said in verse 16, <clears throat> he that believeth and is baptized 
shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus came because God cared for this world. When Jesus finished, the care for this world was still uppermost on his heart. And what I came to do this morning is to ask you, child of God, to care for what he cares about. Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? Look at your neighbor for me and say, caring for his world. I want to bring us to a place where we begin to have a new measure for, for determining success of failure in the life of a child of God. Listen closely to my thoughts this morning. If you look at a child of God and we want to say, is that a successful man or a successful woman? Up till now, we will think about things like money. If he has money, we call him successful. If he is poor, we call him a failure. We look at things like education. And people like to say, I, I have one degree, I have two degrees, I went to university in this, I went to all that. And education will become a measure of success. If you look at people that are professionals, success will be measured by professional growth. Within two years, within three years, within five years, I have grown and I have become a manager. I have become this, I have become that in my professional, professional line. So professional growth will be for us a measure of success. In the world, if you look at the church, we think about popularity, of course, as well. If we say, for example, when we think about our pastors, our leaders, ministers, teachers, leaders of churches, if we measure success, we measure success by popularity. How popular is somebody? Um, we measure success by how many followers I have on social media, how many clicks I have on my postings and those are measures for us of success. And while I do not intend to denigrate or argue against any of those measures this morning, I want to introduce to us the uppermost measure of success for a child of God. And this is it. My input into the salvation of men. If I'm successful or not as a child of God, Heaven is looking, God in heaven is measuring, is determining, is that a successful child of mine? Is that a failed child of mine? I submit to you, church, this morning, that God is probably not measuring by the same measure by which we measure. And God this morning, if you see his care for the world, you will begin to understand that he measures your success as a child of God, by how much of input have you had to the salvation of men? I, I put my own feet in the fire as I put your feet, every one of you this morning, in the fire. You will find that even in our so-called Christian countries, Christian societies like Germany, where um, we don't have other religions that are dominating and all that, if we look closely, we, we, we should be worried about the development of real Christianity. People actually giving their lives to Jesus. 
When I say that, I'm sure there are people that will say to me, oh, pastor, there are, there are mega churches all over the world, churches that are full of thousands and thousands of people and all of that. And I say to you this morning that many times our churches fill up, but the kingdom is diminishing. Because many people that join church have never actually been challenged to give their lives to Jesus. They become a part of an organization. They learn the terminologies that we tell. They enjoy our singing and all of that. And nobody has ever really challenged them into a life of commitment to Jesus. Into a life that will ensure that when they die, they do not end up in an eternity that burns and burns. So we, we are deceived by the surface of many of the things. I read a story that said that after 9-11, when there was a tragedy in the U.S., that in the weeks that followed that, every church that opened its doors had an influx of people without evangelism, without anybody going anywhere. People were coming to church because everybody suddenly saw how fragile what we called our defenses were. In a, just in a strike of a few minutes, over 3,000 people just died like that. So the churches were full. People were tripping to churches on the Sunday morning that followed and the Sundays afterwards. But it all very quickly dissipated. And the reason was this. The people came to church with questions. They were looking for something that they did not have. But when they came to our churches, they found us, all we were speaking about was prosperity. When they came to our churches, all they found us talking about was um, God will do this, God will do that. Nobody was giving them the challenge of the real questions of life. And it didn't take a long time before the, the pressures of the moment lifted from people and they were gone. And the opportunities that that presented was soon gone away from us. Because we haven't been the church that measures success rightly. Both for us together and for you as an individual, I'm challenging you this morning to measure success by in the last 10 years, in the last five years, since the beginning of this year, how many people have come to Jesus directly or indirectly by some way, some form of commitment that came from you that pulled somebody by the hand and brought them into the kingdom. If you live as a child of God and you can't give a good answer to that question this morning, at least an attempt where somebody, look, if all you've done is that you've at least brought somebody to a decision point and they decided to walk away, you've gone as far as you can go. But there are people listening to me this morning, you've not even made any attempt, not this year, not last year, not two years ago, not in the last five years. And all that God has meant to you has been your provider, your healer, your all that. But I'm telling you this morning, there is something he cares about. He cares about the world. And I came to call you to care about what he cares about. If you understand me, can you give me an amen this morning? Can everybody to understand what we're talking about? The average Christian lives for himself alone. And he has never tried to have an input in anybody's salvation. He calls himself successful. <laughs> With no weight whatsoever given to the impact that his life 
has had on the lives of multitudes and multitudes of people walking to an eternity in hell. Yesterday afternoon as we were out on the streets here, myself and, um, and my partner, we were in one of these parks. And there was a lady particularly that we met. I, I saw her walk into the park and I was going to talk to her and then she walked away. And then she went around a couple of trees somewhere, and then she came back again. So I thought, okay, let's, let's have a chat with this lady. And she was ready to speak to us. And just looking at her, you could tell something is wrong here. You could tell this person is on drugs or something. So as we began to speak, I'm going to say, look, we all have problems. She said, yes, we all have problems. I said, we try to solve our problems in all kinds of ways. I said, for example, we all, we, sometimes, I didn't say we all use drugs because we don't all use drugs. <laughs> I said, sometimes you, you try to solve the problem with drugs. She said, yes. She looked at me and she said, look, everybody you can see all around here. And I looked around, there were many people scattered all over the place. I said, all of them here are on drugs. She said, look, right behind that tree there is where the man who sells the drug to us is right there. And I looked around and you could see there were people. And she eventually, she, when she listened, she told us to wait under a tree. She said, she listened. She said, I'm going to the hospital next week. I have an appointment. They want to try to help me, to deliver me from this drug. You could see this lady wasting away. She said, I have an appointment next week. They, 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 they will try to help me. And I said, I can help you right now. I can help you right now. In the name of Jesus, we can break this right now. And she said, okay, I've got something here. And I reckon it was the drug she just came to buy. She just bought it. It was in her hands. She said, I, 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 want, I have to give something here to somebody there. You just wait for me. It was raining. So she said, don't stay in the rain. Stay under that tree there. Let me just quickly give this to my sister there and I'll come back. So we went and we stayed under the tree. And under the tree where we were staying, she ran away. Um, under the tree where we were staying, we just looked around us. It was full of needles. Needles, little bottles of, of all kinds of things. All, just all over. You just need to open your eyes. It was all there. And we were standing right there. And I said, and I said to the lady that was with me, I said, actually right now, we are disrupting the business of that man there. And we are actually in danger right now. Because we are disrupting that business. You know what happened? She ran away. But as I was walking back to my car, and I was just telling my wife, you know, there was this lady that told us to wait and waited, and she ran away, this, this, this. There she was standing right in front of me. I tell you something, this world is in need of what we've got. And we will not be blameless if we keep quiet. People need help. What are they going to do for that lady at the hospital? What? She's going to be back on the streets again the week after, buying in that park, shooting people there all over the place. For us to sit in church this morning and call ourselves children of God cost a lot. It cost a lot. And it is our duty then to be useful in return. Let's go and read a few scriptures that will help me. Hopefully when I finish reading, I'll read about three or four passages. When I finish reading these passages, my message will be preached. I'll just give us a couple of practical things that I want us to do. And then I'll leave you to come to the table of the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read this from the New International Reader's Version. I'll read from verse 14 all the way to verse 20. I want us to read together to think about these verses, these words together. I'm challenging you this morning. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 14. <clears throat> the Bible says, Christ's love controls us 
we are sure that one person died for everyone. And so, everyone died. Christ died for everyone. It says in verse 15, he died so that those who live should not live for themselves anymore. Let me read that again to you. First, Second Corinthians 5, verse 15. If there's any scripture you go home with this morning, that's that verse. The Bible says Christ died for everyone. Second Corinthians 5, verse 15. He died so that those who live, that's you and I, we live because he died. The Bible says he died so that those who live should not live for themselves anymore. It says they should live for Christ. He died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we don't look at anyone the way the world does. At one time, we looked at Christ in that way, but we don't anymore. Verse 17, anyone who believes in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has, gone, has come. It is all from God. He brought us back to himself. Listen, God brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross. And he has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ Jesus. Did you understand that this morning? Let me read that to you again in verse 18. It says, he brought us back to himself. That's why you are in church this morning as a child of God. He brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross. And he has given us the task. Somebody say, I have the task. Say it loudly this morning, I have the task. He says, God has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ. Verse 19, he says, God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against them. God has trusted us, you and I, with the message that people may be brought back to him. He has entrusted you and I with the message. And then in verse 20, the Bible says, so we, you and I, we are Christ's official messengers. It is as if God were making his appeal through us. Here is what Christ wants us to beg. He wants us to beg you to do. Come back to God. That's our job. God is making his appeal through you and I. <laughs> if that scripture is clear to you, can you give me an amen? I don't need to explain it. Luke 13, let's go to Luke 13. I'm trying to make every one of us to really place yourself properly. Where do I stand in the presence of God this morning? The Bible is saying to us that God reconciled the world to himself and then he gave us the task of continuing to bring men to God in the name of Jesus. It's my job, it's your job today. Luke 13, verse 6. Let's read this, this one of these parables of Jesus here. Luke 13, everybody turn your Bibles there. I'm reading now from the King James, verse 6. The Bible says, He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon. Remember, I'm asking us to redefine success. So God is coming to this tree that he has planted and is looking for the fruits of success. The Bible says, And he came and he sought fruit thereon, and he found none. I pray for you that as God begins to come looking in your life, that he will never come to a point where he finds none. Amen. Can I get a better amen? And I said he will never come to a point where he finds none. Amen. 
And I tell you something this morning, I want us to think together. What do you think? If God is coming to your life and coming to my life and looking for fruit, what kind of fruit is he looking for? I'll read us a couple of scriptures this morning that help us to answer. But I want us to think about it. Do you think God is coming to your life and to my life looking for fruit and he sees your new whatever you've just bought or he sees your whatever things have happened to you in the physical and he says, yeah, 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 that, that's, that's the fruit I'm looking for. That's the, he, he's got his money, he's got his promotion, he's got his whatever he's gotten and all of that. Things that we use to call, that we use to define success. Do you think that's the fruit that God is looking for in people's lives? No, no, a million times no. The fruit of the earth is what the Bible calls it. We will see it this morning. So he says, Jesus came in verse 7. Then he said to the dresser of the vineyard, when he, when he looked at that 13, he said to the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Then he said, Cut it down. Why does it cumber the ground? Why does it take up space? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. Give it some manure, give it some tender care. Then he said in verse 9, and if it bear fruit, well. And if not, <laughs> then after that, thou shalt cut it down. John 15 I'm reading scriptures to us this morning. I'm leaving scriptures to explain themselves in our heart. Take these things yourselves and begin to lock them together. We have this task that he has called us to do. That is this fruit of the earth he's looking for. And he, Jesus began to give that parable in Luke 13 and said he's always coming. He's looking for fruit. And when there is no fruit, he begins to question the very existence. He begins to question the, the favors, the things that people use up. He begins to question them. John 15, listen to Jesus. John 15, I'll read from verse 1. John 15 from verse 1. My job this morning is to prepare us to come to the table of the Lord and everybody makes a commitment to God. Jesus was speaking, he said, I am the true vine and my father is the husband man. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, it taketh away. We're reading different parts of the scriptures this morning and I want you to begin to lock them together yourself. He says, for every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that he may bear much more fruit. I can tell you something. If you turn your life into a life that becomes productive in the area of the fruit of the earth, and you are out there caring for what Jesus cares about, you're out there caring for his world. A lot of the things that we pray and pray and pray about in our lives, we don't even need to. Look at what he says here. He says the ones that are bearing fruit, fruit, he says he prunes them, he purges them so that they can be in a position where they can bring forth more fruit. He will care for your comfort so that you can be able to go out and bring forth more fruit. He said in verse 8, John 15, Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So, so shall ye be my disciples. Listen to that again. He says, this is how my father is glorified. That you bear much fruit. Look at your neighbor for me. Say, that you bear much fruit. Look at them. Look at them in the eye. Say, that you bear much fruit. He says, so shall you be my disciples. He says, you have not chosen me. Look at verse 16 closely. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and I have ordained you. Everyone in this service this morning, God is saying, I have ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain 
and that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will do what? Talk to me, everybody. He will do what? I, I don't know about you, but I can see a direct link between answered prayers and fruitfulness in this place. He says, if you go forth and you bring forth fruit and your fruit come to stay, he says, you will ask the Father in my name and he will give it to you. It sounds to me like God is saying, if you take care of what I care about, I'll take care of you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm, I, I want scriptures to speak to us themselves this morning. Remember, we began in 2 Corinthians 5. Well, the Bible says, let not anybody that is alive live only for themselves. That we have this task that he has given us. That we should bring people to God in the name of Christ. That task is now ours. We now speak in the name of Jesus. We read from Luke 13, where Jesus is, where God is shown as always looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit in your life, in my life. We read just now from John 15, where he says to us, you, you go, you go, I've chosen you, I've ordained you, I've called you to go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit will come to stay. Then let's read from Hebrews 6 and verse 7, 8, and 9. Hebrews chapter 6, taking us through these scriptures this morning, just to make sure that everyone that is a member of this church understands the measure of success on the heart of God. Hebrews chapter 6, Verse 7, it says, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh often upon it. I want you to understand that first part. It says there is this earth that drinks often of the rain that comes upon it. That's a description of all the work of God in our lives. Is there anyone in church this morning? Everybody talk to me. Is there anyone in church this morning that will say, God has been good to me? Anyone? Raise your hand to me this morning. <laughs> That's you right there. He says there is this earth that is drinking. You are drinking of the rain that is often falling. You, you've enjoyed the favors of God. We've enjoyed the healings of God. We've seen the mercies of God. He says, he says for the earth which drinketh in the rain that often falls upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. Verse 8, he says, but that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Look, when I read a scripture like this, I'm thinking, are we in the Old Testament? But we are in the New Testament. We are in the book of Hebrews. And the Bible is speaking to us this morning. It says, it's talking to us in parables. It says, if you are drinking often from the rain that is falling upon you, it says, the people that are putting the rain and it's dressing you, it says, they are expecting results back from your life. And it's about caring for what, care, what God cares about. <laughs> the proper measure, my friends, of a successful Christian is fruitfulness in kingdom Thank you for listening to this message. Please hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. For questions, please send an email to Pastor Mo at thestonechurchberlin.com. God bless you.